there are some lies in our science books. Taught it for 15 years. Even though I'm not teaching it anymore, I still like to study. It's so many neat things to learn. We're going to cover some of that tonight. Perception is being managed. We are being steered and guided by a hidden hand. The whole world has been duped by the media that is not real. <laughs> smart thinking, possible time traveler, smart thinking. That night, boom, contact memory. And then, Alex, if you don't agree, you'll be sent to a re-education camp. Just because I'm old doesn't mean I've lost my touch with the baby. Experts are suggesting that we're in a golden age of shape-shifting reptilian sightings. Now, why is that? I was, and still am, a huge conspiracy guy. I literally ran out of new tin hat topics to research. It was most definitely not capable of melting steel. Then I would be a crackpot if I thought that was that was the, the case. Thought that was that was the, the case. Welcome to the Hypothetical Institute, a podcast about conspiracies. My name is Luke. I'm Salty. I'm Cam. How are we, gentlemen? Pretty good, actually. How are you going? Good, good, good. I've just resigned to lockdown again. Oh, yeah? I was getting a little antsy the other day, and now I'm like, all right, we'll just get through this. Donald Trump has the, the Rona. Yep. Yeah, things can only get better. How are you going, Salto? Uh, I'm good. It's good. Yeah. You know, I, I I was like, yes, we're fucking powering through this virus thing, and you know, things are gonna start opening up again in a couple of weeks. And then I got really angry, like at all the people that went to the beach. And I'm like, eh, let's just not worry about expending energy on stuff you can't control. You know. Yep. Yep. Focus on your own. So, yeah, I'm just chilling. Chilling like a vill. Yeah. What are we, uh, what's on the topic board today? Today, we're going to talk about UFOs, but not just any UFOs. We're not going to be talking about some hick farmer in Nebraska. Oh, I saw some lights in the sky, didn't I? In it. All me cows are inside out. (laughs) (laughs) We're going to be talking about UFOs down under. Crikey. Uh, I like that the farmer was Cockney. That was fun. <laughs> yeah. He had a rich backstory. He'd moved to Nebraska. Yeah. So we've got a couple on the on the docket. So am I, am I also right in understanding that you're bringing some New Zealand flavor? Yeah, I've got a, I've got a, good, a famous New Zealand one. Nice. Um, which, which I can... I mean, do, do we want to start with that or do we want to start with the Australian one? Well, let, let's start with the one that got us thinking about Aussie UFOs. Yeah, so there was a story in the ABC uh, in the last week or so about the Kelly Cahill abduction. Yeah. Uh, this happened in, in the 90s, 1993, and basically this lady um, claims she was abducted by aliens. Her and her husband were cruising along in Narry Warren. Yeah, on the uh, way out to Narry Warren. So let's see, what was the... the Belgrave road? Hallam Road. Yeah, so somewhere between Belgrave and Hallam. Yeah, Nary Warren Way. And look, I've been, I reckon I've been on that road before. Uh, that's a dark road in parts, because we're talking about proper Gippsland dark there. Yeah, on the scale of dark, not as dark as a black hole, not as dark as Gippsland dark, but close. Yeah. Mm. That's, out, that's out on the way to like Puffing Billy, if you know where that is. Yeah, right. Oh, yeah. I, I, know, I know you know about Puffing Billies, but you, are you also familiar with the Puffing Billy Railway? Uh, yes, I am familiar with the Puffing Billy Railway. Uh, so, yeah, she was cruising along. Her and her husband were coming back from somewhere. And she, the stories that I've read are, are all a little bit different, but the, the kind of the summary is they saw some orange lights in a field on the way there, and then they were coming back. And they saw those orange lights that were moving. And so they pulled over and a couple of other cars pulled over and they saw these beings that uh, I th- got into their minds, I think, um, and like knocked them down and, and got into their brains and, you know, transmitted messages to them. 
But she didn't know anything about it. She forgot about it, this, this Kelly Cahill lady. So a couple of weeks later, they were at another friend's house, pre-COVID, obviously. <laughs> yeah. Um, and the other friend said something about UFOs and the husband said, oh, yeah, we had an encounter. And Kelly's like, I don't know what you're what? talking about. What are you talking about? And then that started triggering all this flood of memories where uh, these she saw these aliens and she heard in her mind, is and this is what she remembered afterwards, a tall, thin figure appeared uh, in front of this UFO and it appeared in her mind she heard, let's kill them. So she... And then one of them blasted her to the ground with an energy force and she started screaming, they've got no souls, they're evil, they're going to kill us. Um, and then she started having dreams where they're coming to her in dreams for like weeks after. the In the weeks after, she started remembering more and more. And the, the kind of the thing with this case is there's other witnesses because there's multiple cars pulled over. So there was this report done by the... Uh, PRA, what are the Phenomena Research Australia group, mm-hmm. and they they did this report where they had all the all the testimony of all the witnesses and stuff, um, and that's kind of what makes this a, a landmark case of you know, this lady. I think she had some physical injuries. Uh, multiple people saw it happen, and it's all in this report. Uh, this report actually never got released. Yeah, it's in, and, the, in the files of the PRA. Yeah, and no one actually knows what the PRA is. <laughs> <laughs> they seem to be entirely made up by people pushing this case. Uh, but she's kind of got, since gone on to do a, like a, a speaking tour. She's put out a book. She's always at UFO conferences. And uh, the, the reboot of the X-Files mentioned this case in the first episode. Right. Uh, so it's quite a famous case. And How did the, they mention it? Were I, they like, oh, you know, out the back of Nary Warren? Or? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I think I... I I quickly read about it and Salty, did you watch the reboot the first? Um, yeah, I did. I don't really remember. So I think there was a, a right wing, I'm guessing like an Alex, Alex Jones oh, type. Yeah, they uh, had a whole Alex Jones thing. What other television show did that recently? Anyway, that's not important. Um, oh, the, the last Spider-Man movie has J. Jonah Jameson become an Alex Jones type. <laughs> oh, right. <laughs> nah, there was like one of those American action-y dramas that had an Alex Jones type. Um, anyway, oh, that's going to annoy me. Uh, yeah, he's talking to this Alex Jones type and he's like, you know, you'll know, you'll know all about these ones. And he mentioned that one. Right. Uh, it was in 2016 and the PRA allegedly, uh, is a guy that, that is the head of them. Uh, I don't think I've got his name down, but he told the ABC a week or so ago that, um, the case is good. We, won't release it now because when we release our report, we will become the focus of the case. Uh, the idea was we'd release the report and bring the witnesses out. At the moment, uh, we don't know where they are, so if we release anything, all the focus is going to be on us. We'll get hammered. He said the 300-page report was whittled down to an unusable 100 pages or so when the witnesses, uh, including Cahill and her ex-husband, began to ask for information to be taken out of it and refused to allow the publication of medical and psychological reports they claimed backed up their stories. So this whole this whole sort of story of corroborating evidence and, and everything is hinges on this this alleged report that, you know, that now they're saying is too dangerous to release. Yep. Um the the guy that that got these this um, phenomena research report to you know, to do the report, he's a Sydney-based UFO guy. Um, I think he wrote his own Wikipedia page. His name's Bill Chalker, and it's like you know, Bill Chalker's this UFO researcher. He's written a couple of books, and then the references in there are just bullet points of interviews that he's done and places he's been quoted. <laughs> you know how, like in, in Wikipedia, you click on like the little number two, and it'll take you to the corresponding reference. This isn't the case with this one. It's just like references. Uh, Close Encounters, The Sun Herald, February 21, 2010, page five. Right. But, no like, that's not like, mentioned in the in the body of the of, – so it's just like, yeah, if you go to – if he had a website and you put, you know, media appearances, that's what would be in there, but it's just in his Wikipedia page. Right. So I think he, he just wrote it by the look of it, uh, which you can do on Wikipedia. So, um, But, yeah, he's, he's kind of annoyed by the whole thing now as well, and he's annoyed that – he got these other people to do the investigation. Uh, so they, they've really dropped the ball. 
but he's also been quoted saying, you know, the the reports come out and it, it verifies all that all the information anyway. So it's not really clear what's happened there. Um, a couple of other things, though. One website called digitalseance.wordpress.com has done a, <laughs> a a debunking of this one. Um, they've debunked it. Yeah, they've debunked it. So she, they think that maybe the she got her getting knocked over was uh, an electric fence that's at the site. Um, she just walked into the electric fence. <laughs> <laughs> I think her husband pranked her. Hey, <laughs> Maybe. Go, t- go touch that fence. <laughs> <laughs> um, also, another one, the husband is walking away with a female alien in one of the dreams that she has, and so she chases it down and knocks it to the ground uh, and starts screaming, murderous, murderous, at this at this one. Uh, I don't think that was part of the hoax. You know, Sorry, part of proving that it was a hoax. That was just mentioned. Um, but yeah, that's, that's kind of it. That's the, that's the top line summary. There's, there's, there's a lot of like been reports of it over the years. Uh, it pops up on Reddit now and then as well as kind of unsolved mysteries or paranormal discussions. Weirdly, the ABC story quotes, has a big pull quote saying one Reddit user, you know, says they're convinced it's a hoax after being convinced that it wasn't, but they don't link to the thread. And I couldn't. I I scoured through like all the Reddit threads talking about it. I couldn't find that quote anywhere, uh, which was kind of weird for for the ABC to have a pull quote and no link to it. Well, the ABC's policy on pull quotes in their articles is already very weird. So, yeah. Okay. Well, yeah. It was good. They have these pull quotes that aren't pull quotes. They're just part of the article. Yeah. They just put in bold. Yeah. yeah, they put them these huge bold things, which is, you know, just supposed to be something that's in the article. Robbo, it took me five fucking seconds to find this quote on Reddit. Oh, really? <laughs> did you try putting <laughs> the, quote, the quote into Reddit? Yeah, I did. I into did. Google, sorry? Yeah. Oh, maybe I didn't do it with exclamation points. Yeah, you've got to do it with quote marks. Uh, Jeez Louise. Oh, uh, <laughs> such a What's dude. the thread? Uh, it's called the remarkable Kelly Cahill UFO encounter with extraterrestrial beings in 1993, posted three years ago by Bitcoin NL. Okay, I think I might have read through that one anyway. Um, another one of those threads, just a quick aside, I posted a screenshot to my own Twitter uh, where it's two people arguing that their other person's argument is a straw man, back and forward, <laughs> for like eight posts. Your argument is a straw man about this this uh, case, and they're like, "No, you don't even know what a straw man is." Making yours a straw man. <laughs> it's like, oh my god, this is the most Reddit thing that's ever happened. Uh, anything good in that thread, Cam? Uh, oh, I mean, that quote is. I can see why he's gone with that quote uh, from the Reddit thread rather than the top voted quote, which is, uh, "This chick's so hot, she's making me sexist." <laughs> oh yeah, I did see that one. Yeah. Uh, I have my own issues with this story. Why were so many people driving on Belgrave Hallam Road at night that multiple cars could pull up? Is that a very quiet road? It seems like it should be, right? It's like it's it's out of the way. Like out at Narry Warren is not a you know it's not a high traffic area. Yeah, I'm just well, there's a few places around there, but ninety three though as well. Like urban sprawl hadn't yeah probably reached out there that far. Um, also like one of the reports had the third driver was a dude that was like hiding in the bushes at some point, <laughs> which is a weird addition. Uh, yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Uh, interesting what case. Th- it, there's, he, she's been on today tonight to talk about it and, um, it's pretty much everyone saying it's, it's 100% a hoax, but we, it all hinges on this report. Yeah. So yeah, the other, the other thing that the guy who says this I used to think this was the holy grail, but I no longer hold that opinion. Uh, He says, look, the claim is there were other witnesses who say they saw it, but the reality is none of those witnesses have ever been identified besides in this report. And then the other claim is, you know, there's apparently this is a UFO research group has researched this and has written a report. Here's the question. Who is this UFO research group? Yeah. And they haven't released their report. Yeah. 
shady stuff. Uh, if anyone knows anything about this one, because obviously Australian listeners, um, as I said, she's been on Today Tonight. She's been around the... So she's been on all of the, you know, the top journalism outlets yep. of Australia. So pe- people would have come across it at some point. Maybe maybe you even live out that way and you've heard about it. Yeah. So when did this happen? In the 90s? 93. Yeah, right. I don't, I don't have a recollection of it. I mean, I lived out that way and I hadn't heard of it. If so you hadn't heard of it, Cam? I hadn't heard of this. Yeah. And I think, I'm sure I've driven on that road. In fact, one night me and my friends drove out to Narry Warren and we made a pledge that we would never drive back that night on any road we'd already driven on. And so we took a very roundabout way and we may well have gone down Belgrave Hallam Road. <sighs> Do you remember not seeing aliens? Not remember seeing aliens, maybe. Mm. I did not see any aliens. We we ended up at the casino in Melbourne. To black out? Uh, no. You don't we, know though, because like know. maybe, maybe someone will mention it and you'll you'll come flooding back. Oh yeah, that was the other thing. Part of it, part of her story is that she has like this lost time. They're, she's like we were driving, and then I realised we were much further down the road, and I couldn't remember having driven that. It's like, well, we've all done that at driving down Gippsland dark roads. Yeah. You but know, also like, have a little micro snooze. Yeah. But suddenly you're down the road a bit further. I think in the in the world of uh, books and, and cinema, this would be an unreliable narrator, right? Because she's yeah. she forgot about it for weeks and then she Oh no, I remember it now. And then she's like, Oh now I'm having dreams about it, but I still can't remember part of it. So like there's so many memory holes that she's claiming. Um yeah, but also, I mean, just besides the the issue of microsleep sort of it, that whole area is very forgettable. <laughs> yeah. I, I would say from like Nari Warren to Nana Goon, you could just cut that out of the map. <laughs> like, oh, maybe Berwick. Let's go from Berwick to Nana Goon. Like Beaconsfield officer. Like, who needs them? I I don't want to. No, I don't want to do that. I don't want to get involved in this. I do you not take that to, stance of anyone else. You don't else. want to get involved in any of these Gippsland beefs. Ah, uh, certainly do not. <laughs> Fine Angus Gippsland beef. Just one thing on the unreliable narrator thing. Um, she, uh, the, interestingly, that in the report, she asked for medical and psychological reports to be removed from it because I don't think she would have had a psychological report done just for this. You know what I mean? Like... So obviously there might be a, a history of, of um, some sort of issues there that you know she doesn't want talked about, which you know probably doesn't help her her um, her claims. No, shall we move on to another case? Yeah, can, can I drop my one? Go, yeah, drop it. So for for this, we all decided to go out and find some Aussie UFOs, and I got onto the Black Vault. Com, which is a website that has lots of declassified documents on it. Mm-hmm. And I think that they have, the website might have a little bit of a um, conspiratorial bent. Uh, let's just see what's actually on their main page. They certainly, the way it is uh, set out, exposing government secrets one page at a time. They have like a huge amount of UFO content on there. So I read some like ASIO Documents about UFO research societies. So there are all of these like UFO research groups in Australia that started in like the fifties, mm. and for whatever reason, ASIO was like investigating them. And I was trying to work out why they were doing that, and I think it just ended up coming back to like Cold War paranoia, yeah, where they're like, are these secretly? communists and when the, they'll look at them and they'll be like all right some of these guys are communists we need to like keep tabs on these people for the next two decades and expend all of these resources there was some weird stuff there was like one group where they're like they're not communists but they had a meeting where they were talking about you know that like comet that landed in russia in the early part of the 20th century i think it was um not the tunguska the- yeah, I think the the famous Tunguska explosion. Mm. So there were some Aussie UFO researchers that were like, what if it wasn't a comet or whatever? What if it was a spacecraft? Mm. Let's write to the Soviets right. and say, <laughs> do you have any more information for, you know, the Toowoomba UFO Society about the Tunguska explosion? And so at ASIO, they're like, they're writing to the Soviets. What the fuck's going on? <laughs> and I have to 
think that like over in the USSR, there's some KGB guy who's like, why are they writing to us? <laughs> <laughs> what is this, comrade? So that was weird. And like they got no response. But ASIO was like, you know, we need to keep an eye on this because, you know, maybe the Soviet embassy will be like, we need to respond to these guys. <laughs> so that was weird. And there was like stuff like the South Australian UFO, so UFO Society. There was a whole, like these reams of reports about them because I think one of the guys from it started dobbing in the New South Wales UFO Society as being a little bit pink around the edges, a little commie. Right. But they had, like, all of these reports about how they are, like, the South Australian UFO Society had teamed up with the Australian Vegetarian Society to put on, like, a public lecture. And then it goes into great detail about how the UFO Society guy shows up to the lecture. They got some guy to come in and talk about UFOs. And he arrived and the guy was playing these weird, scratchy tape recordings of lectures. Mm -hmm. And he's like... When's the lecture going to start? And he's like, oh, it's already started. It's a, a taped lecture. He's like, what? <laughs> no, <laughs> the lecture starts at 8. You've been playing tapes since 7.30. <laughs> and I thought a lecture meant you were going to be talking. He's like, no, I just play tapes. So, this huge ASIO report. It's like, how much taxpayer money was wasted on this? <laughs> what an affront. But anyway, I found, um, one thing I found was that uh, in these declassified government documents about UFOs was that, I think we've talked about this before, there's this real reluctance on the part of everyone who maybe should have looked at UFOs to be the one that had to. Mm. So, like, the RAAF was like, I feel like this is really, you know, someone else's problem. And mm -hmm. all of the other people were like, well, these do relate to things in the air which is sort of the RAAF's, uh, you know, field of operation. They're like, no, no, but we deal with identified objects. <laughs> this should be somebody who deals with unidentified objects. So there's a lot of stuff, people trying to pass the buck. And But one thing I did see was that they had, like, this sort of pro forma response they ended up coming out with for everyone that wrote to them about UFOs, where they're like, anyone who writes to you about UFOs, check whether, you know, maybe it is a national security thing and we should look at it. But otherwise, here's a list of every one of these UFO research groups, like civilian research groups in Australia, and you tell them, here's the address for your local one. So, you had like this, like these phenomenon research agencies, like this guy, the PRA, the RAAF and like the Defence Force were forwarding the, the details of these things to people that were reporting UFOs to the government. So, I thought that was quite interesting. Hmm. Anyway, I found one particular case that I liked, which was from July 1960 mm -hmm. out at Maralinga, which is, you know, they did a lot of weapons testing out there, nuclear weapons testing. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, uh, they were doing Vixen A tests out at WeWAC out near Maralinga, and they had a whole bunch of uh, static balloons that they were using f to record things. Anyway... 7.15pm, 15th of July, 1960, Constable Hubert Scarborough calls in, says, hey, hey guys, just letting you know, I'm out here doing constable things, and I've just seen one of your balloons has uh, caught on fire. Uh, just letting you know, as a, as a cop, thought I'd call the balloon guys when I see a balloon on fire. They're like, thanks for that, we appreciate it, balloons are our area, we'll take it from here. Anyway, they go out and check all their balloons. There's none missing. None of them have caught on fire. Mm -hmm. And so then begins this huge investigation into why did some cop call in saying he saw a balloon on fire, where the balloons are, if none of the balloons are missing. So this is a case of a weather balloon. They've called it in as a weather balloon and it's turned into a UFO. Whoa. The weather balloon. <laughs> it's, it's like bloody reverse world. Yeah, that's great. So I thought I was, that was... When you started explaining this, I was like, Cam, you, you, you're explaining the thing before you talk about it again. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, they, um, yeah, they go and look into it a lot. And they're like, could it be St. Elmo's Fire? And they go to the library and get out the encyclopedia and look up St. Elmo's Fire. Yeah. <laughs> uh, they, they ask all the scientists, like, Are, did any of you do a prank? And they're like, no, we're, we're not pranksters. We're serious scientists. Which we know is not true, so I don't discount it being a prank. You, you don't think? What do you mean? You know it's not true? 
No, what, we know what's your the opinion sci- of we know that scientists love to do pranks. Ah, do we? Yeah, they love it. Oh, really? That's good. You got to have your fun. They've got to blow off steam. So Probably. I'm not. They discounted being a prank. I don't think that's out of the question. Mm. And the, old, the old garbage bag and a coat hanger. Yeah, with a bloody tea light in it. Exactly. But they, they, they're also like, could it be a photo flash from a high-flying aircraft, but they, it, with the light was there for too long. Could it be this? Could it be that? And eventually, uh, the health physics officer, Oliver, Mr. Oliver Turner, who worked on the base, says, look, this is clearly a flying saucer. <laughs> <laughs> and in the end, they conclude probably a meteor or static electricity. Right. The other, other outside of swamp gas... Or Venus, that's their main, the other main ones. Yeah, I did. One other thing I found was uh, like these reports, and it's sort of it's a little bit jumbled because the way I'm looking at these reports is they just have an index of all of their Australian UFO files. Mm. So I'm not sure what the context was, and also like a lot of these files are super degraded. Like they'll have cover pages or whatever, but they've, they're so faded they haven't been able to scan them properly. Yeah. But there was like, someone had written this massive report all about Project Blue Book and, you know, the different United States projects that were looking into UFOs. And I think it was like about whether Australia should be looking into this. But it it got into like the politics of the whole thing about how the US was sort of, they were doing stuff, but they had to sort of say it was UFOs. Or that. Yeah, yeah. they were, they were happy for people to think that stuff was UFOs, but then they had this problem where they're like, is this going to overload some system somewhere with UFO sightings if we allow this to continue? Well, they got into this thing, but then the Australians were like, like, do we need to care about this? Yeah. So- do we need Project True Blue Book? <laughs> hey. So that was interesting. Anyway, there's like another hundred documents here for me to read, so I'm sure we can come back to this at some point. What do you got for us, Salt? Well, I was wondering, do we want to do a make a bloody kiwi sandwich and do the New Zealand one in the middle? Oh yeah, okay, yeah, yeah. my favourite sort of sandwich. Don't eat kiwis, Cam. They're not good eating. Uh, so, no. well, what's that? Oh, maybe they are. Kaikoura in New Zealand. Do you guys know about Kaikoura? No. Gorgeous place on the uh, east coast there, just above Christchurch. Oh, your enemy coast. Yep. Known for uh, whale whale watching. If you're in Kaikoura, you can go watch whales. Uh, seafood. Lots of seafood in Kaikoura. Also world famous for the uh, Kaikoura lights. Right. This particular UFO incident that happened uh, a couple of times in 1978, where um, basically a plane was flying, uh, I think, over Kaikoura, around that airspace, and people started seeing lights. Uh, And there was something on the radar. The the radar air traffic control picked up an object following them or, you know, object near them. Uh, So kind of, you know, everyone was talking about it. And so Channel 10, which was Channel Zero at the time in Australia, had people over there working or, or on holiday, so they got them with a film crew and said, hey, can you, you know, go go on, do this flight and take some, you know, get some footage. And so a few days later they do, and what do you know? They bloody capture some lights on, on video camera. Uh, and so they, they they fly from, I think, Christchurch to Blenheim and then back again. Uh, the, some of the people on the flight get off after doing one leg. They're like, no, oh, that's too real. They all got just spooked one lady nairi crockett was saying they were just terrified they didn't want to um touch the walls of their plane because it looked like they were going to be hot for some reason um it was never really explained why she thought that uh but they were um yeah all just terrified they started some of them started sobbing um one of them was a real mess 
He grabbed both my hands and started shaking. I didn't have time to worry about myself. This is what Nairi said. I had to help him. Um, Nairi Crockett, her husband was one of the filmers. I think he shot the, the footage, and you can, if you look up the footage, you can see it online of these of these lights. Um, in the video clip that I watched of her being interviewed, she also says uh, it, bro- it ruined their marriage because oh. he got famous and started traveling. He went to Australia, then America, then the UK, uh, showing this footage. Never came back. Oh, no. <laughs> he just ditched her uh, for this, this UFO fame that he had found. Uh, also, like, if you're, like, a world-famous UFO guy and you're out on the UFO circuit, I mean... you Yeah, we all know. We all know. Out on the road. Um, so, and I was kind of looking... So, the Defence Ministry, New Zealand Defence Ministry, in 2010, released their report into this and basically concluded that uh, it was just Venus or Jupiter or squid boats, a lot of squid boats <laughs> off that coast. Um, That's refl- a bit of a difference. Well, you, you famously use a lot of lights while you while you're fishing squid at night. Yeah, yeah, you can certainly like my hometown. If you're on the coast at night and at the beach at night, you can see lights in the horizon, which are squid boats. Ah, um, well, wouldn't they be significantly lower than the lights of Venus? Well, it, yeah, the idea like, that Venus is like quite close to the horizon. A lot of ref- off the swamp gas. Yeah, a lot of reflections. <laughs> Um, but they just basically said all the all the examples were explainable, but the thing was these all showed up on radar. But I, I looked in all the articles and all the information about this, and it, it wasn't really clear. Like, there was no quotes from air traffic control saying definitely showed up on radar or anything. It just keeps on saying referring it to well as Wellington radar, which just kind of it seemed like such a throwaway. You know, oh yeah, Wellington radar showed up these. You know, showed up on the radar, and you know there wasn't really any like Johnny Smith of the air traffic control confirmed they saw two objects. Um, but then, sort of reading about it further, I also found that the first instance, the very first one, it wasn't someone seeing a light. It was the radar people contacted the plane and said, "Hey, we've spotted some like weird radar variances around you. Can you see anything?" So then everyone looks out the windows and starts seeing things. Yeah, um, which says, maybe suggests to me the idea has been put in their head that there's something out there, and then you look out and you see some squid boat lights. Holy shit, it's a UFO. Um, the footage is is interesting. It, it, to be honest, it just looks like shaky, shaky lights <laughs> in the sky. So there's nothing you can really tell from it. Um, but this is also it was on the back of someone disappeared in Australia um, after reporting a UFO, which I think we've talked about before. Um, over Bass Strait, Frederick Valentich. Yeah, that was that was an early app, I think. Yeah. Um, so there was kind of a lot of UFO hype around at the time. Uh, but then there was also a guy, Dr. Bruce Maccabee, who is a research physicist at the Naval Surface Warfare Centre. Uh, and he, um, he did some research and found it to be authentic. And he uh, released a paper about it saying... It debunked the flying squid boat theory, as he called it. <laughs> uh, which he, he, it's a bit snarky. If yeah, it's that very snarky. But reading up about this guy, he, um, he also says that he stresses his UFO research and investigations are completely unrelated to his naval work. So he's a, a legitimate naval scientist in the US. Um, but he stresses it's completely unrelated, except if he needs a little bit of credibility to his story. And then he leans heavily into. Oh, yeah, I'm a scientist at the naval thing. Um, but, like, he works in optics, um, optical data processing, which, you know, when you first read that, you're like, oh, so this guy knows what things look like. But I think it's quite a different field to verifying film footage and lights. Uh, but, yeah, he's also um, verified um, and he's investigated a lot of other sightings, including his own sighting of, of UFOs in 1991. And he's only verify your own sighting. He's he's researched and verified it, um, <laughs> except for he's he's only ever deemed one as a hoax, which is one in Mexico City in nineteen ninety seven. Which I want to look into now. I want to know why this guy who's playing pretty fast and loose with saying things are authentic uh, then thinks one in particular is a hoax. Right. Uh, but yeah, that was the the UFO, the Kaikoura lights, um, the radar. Oh, a couple of articles I've read, and this is, I think, in, in legitimate publications, 
were saying that um, it was cited by hundreds of people, but I couldn't find any, like, hundreds of people is not, you know, five people on a plane. Mm. Um, That sounds like there was, like, a whole beach load of people all standing around looking, but I couldn't find that anywhere. Um, But, yeah, just, uh, oh, that's right, they... One of the the vision as well was the the lights were doing rectangular patterns and changing sizes rapidly. So I don't know. It just sounds like reflections to me. Squid boat reflections. Yeah, or reflections on the window. You know my theory about the the Foo Fighters. Oh, they were just seeing their reflections of their gear. Yeah, yeah. They just you know you're staring out the window for so long. You're going a little bit cross eyed. You see some weird reflections. Wow, what's that? Uh, yeah, it was Kaikoura Lights. Anyway, if you're in New Zealand, Kaikoura is a beautiful place to visit. Right? Yep. See some squid boats out on the water. See some squid boats. Eat, eat a crayfish on the side of the road from one of the crayfish caravans. Oof. Oh, hello. Yeah. Buried bloody... the lead there. Yeah. <laughs> well, Cam, you always told me not to go in with the lead, so. Yeah, that, no, that is true. I did ask you to bury the lead. Yep. You know what else I'd like you to bury? Some of that bloody crayfish in a little hungy. Yep, Totally. <laughs> All right. Uh, Salty, what have you got for us from the Nullarbor? I feel like no matter how close to the source it is, buying any kind of like shellfish or seafood on like a food truck on the side of the road is just, just dodgy. It's fraught. Oh, really? Fraught I think that's the, best, no, that's the best eating in my if it's. I don't even bu- like seafood, and that to me is just the number one eating thing. Sounds like a case buy- of fucking explosive diarrhea <laughs> waiting to happen. Buy the sea is fine. Buy the shop. By the, by, the, by the sea is surely fine. Except for that dude on season one of Alone smashes down all the, the seafood that he finds and bloody comes out the other end. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, Alone, good TV show. Highly recommended. <laughs> yes, SBS On Demand. I recommend it too. I've just finished season one. Yeah, we're up to, I don't know, we've got a few episodes left, I think. Um, Nullarbor. So the Nullarbor. So we're 1988. Bloody Expo. Oh, yep. yeah, Expo. It's a big year. Yeah. Hypercolor. Hypercolor no, no hypercolor was hypercolor hadn't happened yet. Hypercolor at its biggest raging point. It's three years away at this point was hypercolor. But the Seoul Olympics and Greg Luganus was that year. Yep. Right. SoCal Punk at its zenith. Yep. That's a good one. What uh, what else was happening on the Nullarbor? Well, on the Nullarbor, the Knowles family. Family from Perth were, were going on a little bit of a family holiday. They were driving to Melbourne from Perth, which is a hefty drive. It is hefty. And there's only really one way to do it. Yeah, straight across the Nullarbor. So the the whole family was crammed into their 1984 Ford Telstar. Yeah, which sounds like an old car now, but at the time was only four years old. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, a little 80s fact for you. <laughs> Thanks, Cam. <laughs> Back in the 80s when maths was like at its prime. And 84 was four years before 88. Sorry, go on. <laughs> um, Little so did they know that, that science was going to be turned on its head yeah. when hypercolor t-shirts come out in That's three it. years? Uh, so at about five... <laughs> uh, at about 5 a.m. WA time, January 20th, they were driving... So east. 7 a.m. Melbourne time. Uh... No, it would have been eight because it's January daylight savings. Uh, they were driving east through an area of the Nullarbor called the Basin between Eucla and Madura, still in WA. And Sean, who was the one of the sons, he was 21. He was driving at the time. Uh, but everyone was, everyone was awake in the car. Sean saw some lights approaching from ahead. They were up, up in front of him. He was like, oh, there's some bloody lights out there. There's no squid boats around here. What's going yeah, on? Yeah, no squid boats for bloody miles. Uh, I thought they were a truck. And then... A road train. Yeah. Then the light suddenly started to jump around a bit. And then it disappeared. And then it reappeared. And then it sort of was behind them. And then it was in front of them. And he apparently chucked a Yui and started heading back west. And then the light was there again. And then he turned around and headed back east. And the light just seemed to keep following them around. That's um. That's not a very effective way to get to Melbourne. <laughs> no, heading back west. Um. So, uh, there. He he said in an interview the the light looked like a spaceship. It was described as being bright and light with a yellow center, shaped like an egg in an egg cup, and about a meter wide. 
Uh, it grew larger and larger, disappeared more, then turned up again behind them, disappeared again. Um, at one stage, he swerved to avoid the light and nearly hit an oncoming car and caravan, uh, except the, the uh, supposed car and caravan people have never sort of been found to verify that this happened. Well, nothing happened. So, like, why would they- <laughs> yeah, what efforts have been made to fight? Did you ever, like, not get swerve. into a car crash on the, the Nullarbor? Yeah. Someone uh, swerved near you. Uh, maybe. So, the the um, the story that they told kind of changed a, a little bit as every time they told it. They told it. Oh yeah, that's the, well, that's the mark of a true story. Yeah, <laughs> but um, basically, he reckons that. Um, he was doing about 200 kilometers an hour. Fucking hell. And I question, I, qu- I question a 1984 Ford Telstar being able to do 200 kilometers an hour. Even, even when it was old. only four years old. <laughs> yeah. Um, the light apparently landed on top of the car and picked the car up a couple of meters off the ground and dropped it again. Um, they blew out. A- good for the shocks. Yeah. Well, they blew out a tire when, when, uh, the thing was on top of the car so, um, they blew out a tire. Sean had to brake really hard to stop the car. Um, they wound down the windows while it was happening and a, a gray black mist came into the car. Mm. And when that happened, they, all of their voices changed pitch. Oh. And, and apparently they started, it, like to them, it sounded like their voices got really deep and slowed right down. So they run uh, and, and like they were. They apparently felt like they were dying when it was happening. Well, this makes me think it's real because if you were making it up, wouldn't you go with the funnier option of their voices got really high pitched? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was like it was like helium came in the car. Um, no, because so they were like, "All right, let's tell everyone the voices were high pitched." And like, no, that's they're going to think we're doing a helium bit. Yeah, see, that's probably true. And also, we want to keep that helium gear for a party track next time. <laughs> uh, they heard a, a, a loud humming sound while it was happening, and Sean said he blacked out for a, for a period of time. Um, the dogs went crazy. They had two dogs in the car. Everyone just everyone just lost their shit, basically. What type of car was this again? Ford Telstar. It's like a smallish Ford sedan, I think. Oh, yeah. Jeez. And how many people were in it? Four. and Four and two dogs. That's a packed Telstar. Yeah. Well, a family holiday. They've got to, got to cram everyone in. Yeah, true. But still. They mentioned they, the the, they, mention they wound the windows down. Mm-hmm. What's the air conditioning situation in a 1984 Ford Telstar? Well, I guess if they optioned for it, I guess they had AC. Mm. Mm. Back in the day when like it was like you had to pay <laughs> for, extra. for extra for it. Yeah. Because um, you'd so, want that if you're driving across the Nullarbor. Tell you that for nothing. Yeah. So they, um, they, all this happened to them and then they kind of it went, they, they got out of the car and ran off into the bush and hid behind some trees for a bit. And I don't know how many trees there are on the Nullarbor, but they, they ran, they ran out into the scrub and, yeah, uh, not a famously wooded, I don't think. No. And hid and, and watched it. And then it eventually pissed off and they went back to the car and were all freaked out and they kept driving. Um, they apparently returned to their car in such a hurry, they changed the tyre, left the jack behind, and drove 40 kilometres to Mandurabilla, near the border of South Australia, where they stopped at the hotel motel there. Um, they met a truck driver at the at the motel who was driving ahead of them, who is the only witness to the event. Um, who has who has actually been interviewed about it and stuff, and uh, he was apparently. See, this is where I also think this is kind of weird. He reckoned he was ten to fifteen kilometers ahead of them, mm. and said that he could see a light above their headlights in his rear vision mirror. Yeah, can you see and- headlights fifteen kilometers away? Oh, well, I mean, it's quite a flat thing, though, right? Yeah, there's not a not a lot of light pollution around. Yeah. Yeah. And 15 kilometers, though? Five in the morning, right? Yeah. So, uh, yeah, maybe. But also, so he's ahead of them. He can see this light. Does he see them turning around and doing all this dumb shit? Well, see, I, I assume that 
15 kilometers away, you wouldn't be able to see specifically anything that's happening. If you could see a light, it would just be a pinpoint of light in the horizon, right? Yeah. Um, but anyway, he uh, he's the only person who claims to have seen something happen. There was some tuna fishermen uh, in the Great Australian Bight who, about 30 minutes after their incident, apparently also had an encounter with some sort of strange lights. This is quite a way away, right? Uh, yeah, well, it's, they're driving across the bottom of Australia, and that yeah. that's sort of off the coast south of them. So they didn't they didn't see the lights happening to the car. They're saying that they also encountered some weird lights. Yeah, I had to like really reassess my knowledge of where the Nullarbor Highway was <laughs> right. if there were tu- if there were tuna fishermen watching it. Are you yeah, yeah, are you yeah. around Alice Springs in your mind, Cam? Uh, it was a sl- look. It was slightly north of where they are, but yeah, I mean they're quite close to the the coast but it's not yeah. on the coast right no no no, it's not on the coast and wh- where did this happen out at mundrabilla yeah well that's like at madura mundrabilla that's like the furthest part of it from the coast right so they um they hang on let me i've got pages of stuff here hang on let me i mean the furthest bit along that part there's some bits that are quite a long way away yeah so they it's weird they drove so they went to this hotel and uh, hotel slash motel. Hotel slash motel. He, the truck driver's like, oh, the family was in a state of shock. The dogs were acting weird. And the whole car smelt like Bakelite or like they'd blown a fuse or something. You know, that kind of ceramic-y, plastic-y burn smell. Yeah. The There's no way that out. car doesn't just smell like dogs. Yeah. <laughs> dogs <laughs> and farts. And dog farts. Yeah. Um, and he said that uh, the car was covered in a soot like material inside and outside there was um like this black shit all over it um and there was four dents in the roof that looked as if the car had been picked up by a huge magnet um but then for some reason the family drives 600 kilometers non-stop to report the incident at sejuna in south australia which means they drove past the police station at eucla and past a bunch of other places apparently and stopped in Sejuna in South Australia. And no one's really sure why they waited to Sejuna to report it. Well, if you're making good time. Well, yeah. But apparently there was uh, forensic criminal investigators just from Port Lincoln just happened to be in Sejuna at that time. So they uh, they took samples of the, the shit from the car and to, to study it. So it's like it's odd that it's odd that they went to Sejuna and that there just happened to be these super forensic <laughs> investigators in Sejuna at the time. What was so what, what was their job when they were what were they investigating in their real lives? They were police investigators okay. from Port Lincoln. I think you said paranormal investigators and I was like No no forensic. Okay, yeah. Uh they were they were in Sejuna. So they're like, Oh, luckily the forensic guys are here from bloody Lincoln. They'll take some samples of the soot from your car. Um, and then the family sort of were on their way to Adelaide where they had apparently contacted the UFO Research Australia group in Adelaide, uh, who were going to meet up with them. So they were, they were going to truck on through to Adelaide to meet the UFO guys. Those are the people that were dobbing in the people in New South Wales. It might right. There you go. Still coming together. Um, well in that it's the same group. Um, but the story had leaked to the media, so on the way to Adelaide, they got intercepted by someone from Channel 7, uh, Frank Pangalo, or his or representative of Frank Pangalo from Channel 7, um, who was <laughs> there on behalf of the TV show Hinch. They're a Hinch's show. Yeah, wanting to secure a bloody interview with this family that, you know, because it had got out to the media that this family had their car had been attacked by a UFO in the Nullarbor. We've got to get them on Hinch. And it's weird because the story then says um, they were offered five grand to do a thing on Hinch on the condition they didn't talk to anyone else for three months. And Pangalo was later reported to have claimed that Mike Willis's program was like not far behind him in trying to get the family. And if they had, they might've got 20 grand from them if they'd sort of been a bit more patient. But then there is... 
on YouTube, there is a Mike Willsey interview with the family that happened 36 hours after this incident. So I'm assuming maybe they did go for the Mike Willsey money. Yeah. And Mike Willsey, he was a little bit cooked, wasn't he? Uh, I don't know. I don't, I don't really remember. I, I remember him being around. I don't really remember any of his programs. Um, but there is a, <laughs> it's a great compilation on YouTube of clips of um, news stories from the time from when it happened, including the the Mike Willisy thing. And I, I, I'm going to, whoever's editing this, I'm going to send you a little audio clip of one of the news bulletins uh, reporting it because it's funny as fuck. <laughs> it's like <laughs> they've obviously interviewed the police at Sejuna about it and got nothing from them, like no no usable really information except one tiny little sound bite. And then, <laughs> so it's like... <laughs> The news report's talking about it and it says, Police at Seduna in South Australia were today at a loss to explain the sighting. And then there's just this little soundbite of a cop going, The sun. (laughs) 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 It's fucking so good. (laughs) Like, it's like someone at the newsroom has gone, this will be funny as fuck. Like, we've got nothing from this cop that we can actually use. But this will be hilarious because we're going to set it up like they have no explanation. And then there's just this gruff cop, the sun. Like, you dickheads. There wasn't a UFO. They just saw the sun. <laughs> and it fucking dazzled them. Oh, that's perfect. Um, so, there's also the, the Mike Willisy. On the Mike Willisy thing, the family does all seem a little cooked. Yeah, I've just remembered Mike Willisy was a little bit cooked. He had like a whole... like. Some weird thing that he pursued, like, over decades about proving stigmata was real. Right. Okay. Um, oh, yeah. Was... Oh, was I reading something? And he'd, he'd like, do these, like, put- big current affair-style things, but about, like, bleeding statues and things. And did he set up, like, some massive hoax? Like, some seance hoax? And then, like, was like, ah, gotcha's all. It was bloody a hoax. These are all fakes. Oh, I don't I think he might have done something like that. I feel like Stigmata... A, st- a story 90s, career, anyway. I feel like Stigmata in the 90s seemed to be on TV a lot. It's not, the, not the movie, just the concept. Like there was, I remember seeing multiple reports into Stigmata in the 90s. Mm. It's just kind of faded away now. That was kind of when, I guess, paranormal stuff sort of had a bit of a renaissance, right? With the X-Files yeah. and all that kind of stuff. Um, so, there were a lot of bleeding statues that needed to be explained. Yeah. 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 So apparently, um, tabloid papers on the 22nd of January um, in the afternoon ran a headline UFO dust, unknown substance. The police oh. test results of the forensic testing of the dust left on their family car was an unknown substance. An Adelaide police spokesman said ex- extensive tests at the laboratory yesterday had failed to identify it. They had now sent the grey-black substance to the Adelaide University for further examination by scientists specialising in geology and biology, uh, the Sydney Daily Mirror reported. Uh, sort of that last bit suggesting that it might have been organic in nature, that they'd sent it to the geological and uh, biological guy. Anyway, uh, Superintendent Schultz of the uh, South Australian Forensic Police we know nothing. <laughs> he said, that's all bull dust. Wait, uh, so the dust was bull no, dust? No, no, referring to the story, not the material under analysis. Uh, okay. Uh, he was quoted in the Melbourne Sun as saying, there were no volumes of substance at all on the vehicle. For interest's sake, we did take what we call a tape lifting, and that's only a case of pressing some tape on the vehicle and lifting it off uh, to pick up specks of dust and grime. I have a sample of it here, and I've looked at it and read the report. All I have is two little slides with a minuscule amount of grime and substance on it. It's probably just road grime anyway. There has been no examination. There will be no examination. Uh, so the police basically come out and said, yeah, look, that whoever said that the car was covered in dust and stuff, which I think was the truck driver, um, yeah, that, that wasn't true. The car had nothing on it. It was just a car. Isn't a car driving across the, the Nullarbor going to be fairly dusty just by virtue of doing that? Yeah. So, Famously the, dusty part of the world. 
Yeah. So the I think the like well there were they didn't do any tests on all that ash and dust and stuff, but there were um some tests done on something to do with the car that come back. Uh there was some dust consistent with material from burning shredding rubber. Yeah, like if your tire popped. like if your tire blew out at two hundred kilometers an hour. And brake lining dust, which would also be present if you were doing 200 kilometers an hour and you had to slam on your brakes yeah, uh, to stop yourself. So, the idea is that the car went up into the air, right? Yeah. Sort of like how if you were going at 200 kilometers an hour and your tire blew up. Yeah. <laughs> you might go up a little bit. You might go up a little bit. Um, so, there's, there's a bunch of uh, UFO mobs around the world have kind of uh, said this is like a f- super important case you know the the family's explanation and and witness witnessing sort of what's the word eyewitness account of what happened is is pretty spectacular and all this kind of shit um some ufo place uh this colin norris of the australian international information center for ufos uh, was convinced that they had an encounter with a research vessel from another from a mothership, probably doing scientific tests. Oh yeah, and on the Nullarbor. Yeah, um, and then you get to the non-UFO explanations, where people have come out and said, "Okay, what's what's really happened here?" Um, the obvious first reaction was that they had seen the sun. <laughs> Yep. <laughs> Rising in the east and thought through some sort of optical illusion or simply misunderstanding, thought it was something else. Uh, alternatively, St. Elmo's fire comes up again. Yep, sure. Temperature inversions uh, were suggested as the source of light. Um, it could also be that the sun come up and they had all been awake and driving for like a day, yep. like a really long time. Uh, other more exotic theories... Uh, Glenn Moore, lecturer in physics at the University of Wollongong, suggested a uh, carbonaceous meteorite landing in the vicinity, uh, accounting for the glow and the smell. Uh, although the smell can, you know, probably those burning tires and brakes. Well, like if a meteorite hit your tire, wouldn't that pop it? Yeah, you would think so. There you go. Um, the... Uh, some guy from Flinders University also suggested a dry thunderstorm and ball lightning could yep. have been Again, what they ball saw. Ball lightning at your tire, wouldn't that pop it? Probably. Bloody uh, scare the shit out of you because they were all pretty traumatized by it all. About what? You know, apparently, allegedly, politically. Um, the and like they said, he said that lightning could have also um, explained the the shit all over the car. But then, obviously, the cops come out and said there was no shit on the car, so that doesn't really matter. Um, and the shaking of the vehicle could have been from the storm. Um, if you're in the middle of an electronic fi- electric field, you're going to feel very strange because they said they felt they were dying and all this kind of stuff. Um, and you know, obviously, like so, most of most of this that I'm I'm taking this from is from uh, volume eight, number one. Of the 1988, uh, 1988, volume eight, number one of the Skeptic Newsletter, which is published by the National Committee of Australian Skeptics Incorporated. Uh, I don't know if you guys have come across this before. Don't think so. It's been running since like the 50s or something. Still going today, I think. Um, they have a lot of, a lot of, a lot of stuff. Um, so the only known facts really are that their carb tire blew out. And the four of them were distressed by something that happened. And a truck driver 15 kilometers in front of them saw some lights in his rear vision mirror. Everything else is sort of the family uh, interpreting something that happened or making something up. Or rationalizing a traumatic or or terrifying event. Yeah. Yeah. There was a a part, I'm just trying to find it again. Apparently when they were in Adelaide, oh no, no, they went to, they eventually did up getting to Melbourne to stay with friends and they were approached by uh, the Melbourne Sun. So that Frank Pangalo from Channel 7 in in Adelaide, 
sort of, I think he'd become a bit of a, like an agent for the family. So media inquiries had to go through him. So the, the Melbourne Sun had um, been in touch to say, oh, we want to interview them. And the son who was driving said, uh, or he said that they, the family would still be far too traumatized to speak about the event. Uh, but he spoke to Sean and Sean said he would be happy to talk about the incident if they were willing to pay for the privilege mm. and try and said he would talk for five grand and the son declined the offer. Oh. So I think um, it, it's sort of also starts to smell like that sort of uh, let's make up a story and make some money out of the media. But it worked. Well, yeah, I guess it did. They got a little bit. I don't know. I, I tried to look them up. Like, I don't know what, what they're doing now. I um, don't know if they're still kicking around doing the UFO trail. I, granted, I did try and look them up right before we started recording, so I didn't do a very thorough job. Okay. Um, but, yeah, this is, this is one that I kind of remember from when I was a kid. It was being like a creepy thing. I think because it was kind of sort of near where I lived. Yeah, they would have been heading past you, right? At- yeah. So it was like, you know, out west from Wyala, you eventually hit Sejuna, and then it's like that's sort of where all the shit happens. So so driving, like, between Wyala and Adelaide become a bit of a creepy creepy thing after that because mm. it's all yeah. flat, dark country roads, you know? But also, I mean, driving to Adelaide is creepy at the best of times. Uh, could I just read to you a statistic from the automobilecatalog.com, the complete catalogue of cars since 1945. Yeah. Absolutely should. I haven't been able to pull up a 1984 Ford Telstar, but I have got the 1986 Ford Telstar. Right. Maximum speed, 177 kilometres per hour. Ah, uh, there you go. Downhill? Not any hills, it's flat. Yeah, exactly. Um, also, on the um, Mike Willsey program, they ran a whole sort of piece on uh, other unexplained incidents that have happened in that area and there's like a lot of uh, truckers who have seen like orbs floating around their trucks and stuff and fo- they show photos of them and these like super ocker truckers like just talking about oh yeah it was weird eh like <laughs> and then <laughs> all these farmers that have found UFO nests on their farms which are like not crop not intricate kind of crop circles they're just these big solid circles in the dirt they would have like you know if you would if you were going to hoax one up you wouldn't take the the know-how of geometry that a crop circle would it's just a big circle of dirt they're like yeah that must be where they landed it's like nothing nothing special about it at all it's just a circle um but bang and music they put on it yeah like talking 1988 synthy like sci-fi banging track. Oh, I could be into that. Yeah, I'll send you a link. Sounds good. You could play that through like some really bad speakers, Robbo. Oh, definitely play you that imagine? through some. So, uh, so I told you, I was just on I was playing my music through my Zoom speaker. Yeah. Coming from my computer to my Zoom just to get that real lo-fi feel. Yeah. That's got to be at least a bloody one-inch speaker, right? Oh, it was so good. I really enjoyed it. <laughs> <laughs> just, just some classic vaporwave pumping through my yep. my Zoom. Nice. So that's the that's the Knowles family uh, incident in the Nullarbor. And then one of them grew up. No, I'm not making that joke. Uh, it's a good one. Yep. What joke we're gonna make. He's gonna uh, make a Beyonce joke. I was gonna ah, make a, right, right. No, I was going to make a Shannon Knowles joke. <laughs> oh, ah, right. right. I was like, don't don't enrage the Bayhive, but maybe don't enrage you know, the Shannon Knowles fan base either. Yeah. I wouldn't want to enrage you either. Uh, right. That's good. I enjoyed that one. Good UFOs, everybody. Yeah. yeah. There is, I mean, there's fucking heaps, right? We yeah. could do an Aussie UFO show part two and three if we really wanted. Yeah, part four, five, six every yeah. week. No. Nah. Pivot fully into. I'm not, I'm not doing more than three. The truck drivers. Oh yeah, that's a bit fucking weird. All right, uh, Robbo, where can they find you? Get me at Ale of a Time, Ale of a Time dot com. Salty. Uh, AndrewSaltmarsh.com has links to all of my stuff. You can just go there and check it all out. How convenient. Sexenheimer on Twitter. 
for a few conspiracy videos every now and then. Yeah, no, nah, pass around on all of the podcast things for my show about the far right. And, of course, you can find Hypothepod on Twitter. We're on Facebook. We're on Spotify. We're on all of the things. And we are, of course, on Patreon. Hey, where- Oh, sorry, go. Can you let me finish? Yeah, sorry. I went um, early. And, of course, we are we are on Patreon. Uh, just look up Hypothetical Institute and you can jump on there, get some cool uh, pins and badges, and also get a new show every week or thereabouts. And uh, thank you to our cooked $33 sponsor, Tammy. Thanks, Tammy. Uh, just quickly, I just was looking um, to see if we'd talked about Tunguska, so I googled our podcast because I couldn't remember, and we were... Our tweets were in pedestrian.tv recently. Were they? Yeah, like a month ago. There we go. Alex Jones doing the Aussie accent. They they bloody lifted our tweets for a story. Perfect. (laughs) The entire story is just based on the two tweets that we did. Right. There we go. We're newsmakers. Newsmakers. Newsbreakers. Yeah. All right. Thanks, everyone. Catch you guys. Bye. It was sort of shaped like that, and on the outsides it was like that, and in the centre it was like that. And I asked me Beretta, you know, if that was a spaceship, and he goes, don't be stupid. And so we decided to take off to have a look. We decided to take off, and it was flying miles back, and drove miles up the road again, and it was in front of us again. You know, it was chasing us. Felt like your brain was getting sucked out. It was like a um, sponge on the roof. It was sucking the roof, you know, the car.